Another business hit with a ransomware attack. Issues with cybersecurity have shut down yet another Midwestern The data breaches put the information of millions at risk. Here to give you peace of mind in an industry that moves faster than the speed of light. This is your weekly tech-in. Patrick Souls, the founder of Soul Tech Solutions, and welcome to the Weekly Tech In Podcast. I feel like I say that the same way every time. Every time it's been, what, four episodes now? I'll try to mix it up, I promise. Anyway, here we give you peace of mind working with an industry that moves faster than the speed of light. And uh, we're going to start off on a fun, exciting one today. Uh, I'm actually, I, I kind of adore some of these. Uh, we're talking about some uh, tech myths you may or may not have uh, may or may not believe in, but you've probably heard before. Um, and we're just going to jump right into it. The very first one uh, <laughs> is we're, we're jumping right into the fire. This is a hotly debated topic, even among people who should know better. I'm going to be honest. Uh, and that is leaving your device plugged in overnight damages the battery. Yes, this is an absolute myth. It does not hurt your battery at all. Now, there was a time when batteries had a quote-unquote memory and that you wanted to drain the battery completely and then charge it completely before you used it in a regular manner uh, to help uh, increase battery capacity and battery health long and longevity. Now, that doesn't really exist anymore. It hasn't re- existed for years. Uh, in most smartphones, laptops, other devices, smartwatches, um, Bluetooth earbuds, that sort of thing. Um, they have, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better term, an advanced battery management system that's uh, going to prevent overcharging, uh, which is what damaged the batteries before by leaving them plugged in over- overnight. Um, now, there is another small grain of truth to, to this, and that is the longer energy moves through a battery, the quicker it wears out. Uh, and so while your battery doesn't get overcharged, it is trickling down and then being recharged as it's plugged in overnight. Uh, and so that can wear out the battery a little bit, but um, most of your cell phones, this is, this is the common one, this is the thing you plug in every night, your cell phone, uh, it's going to actually, I know iPhones do this, I'm pretty sure Samsung's phones do this as well, and maybe even the Google Pixel. Uh, but basically, if you plug it in every night, it's going to learn that, that habit, that uh, schedule, and it's going to wait to charge the remaining 22%. So it's going to charge it up to 80%, which is healthy for the battery. And then it's not going to charge that remaining 20% until you're about to wake up. So it, uh, or pull it off the charger, um, based on your, your usual schedule. Uh, and so that's going to help prolong the battery life. But even if you didn't do that and you just left it charged and plugged in all the time, you've let your battery completely die and then plugged it in for days at a time, which is like the worst thing you can do. You might see your battery capacity go down maybe 15% over the course of two years. And let's be honest, you're probably replacing your phone every two years. So it's not like it's that big of a deal. And uh, for your, I, I know 15% sounds like a lot, but if you are, if you're using your phone every day, chances are by the end of the day, when you go to plug it in, it's not even at 15%. So you won't even notice it. Uh, long story short, go ahead and plug in your phone every night. Okay. Myth two, uh, <laughs> I remember uh, everyone talking about this one at school. Incognito mode ensures complete anonymity. 
Okay, so let's let's start off by talking about what incognito mode does do. Incognito mode does prevent browsing history, cookies, temporary files, passwords, things of that nature being saved to the browser, which is a good thing, especially if you're using someone else's computer. You don't really want them to have access to those, those, the kind of data that can be in those uh, types of files. However, what it does not do is hide your browsing activity from your internet service provider, the person transferring that connection back and forth, as well as the websites you visit. They can see what you're doing. They can see your IP address. They can track your IP address to usually a, a rough geolocation, uh, like the region of the country you're, you're in, and some uh, sometimes even more narrower than that. Um, and they uh, can still collect data off of what you're browsing. Um, so does it completely anonymize you? No. Uh, it does protect you from saving your bank account password on someone else's computer, which is a good thing. Uh, if you are looking for your traffic streams to be uh, anonymous, then consider something like a third-party VPN or something like that, and that's going to actually encrypt your data uh, going to and from the, uh, the web server of the website you're visiting. Okay, here's another good one. Again, right in the fire here. Myth number three, Max... Uh, Apple, MacBooks, those th sorts of things, are immune to viruses. Macs just don't get viruses. Uh, I actually um, have been talking about this for years. For those of you who don't know, I am an Apple-like user. My primary devices are Apple products. Obviously, I use Windows products or uh, I use a Windows PC for work. Um but uh <laughs> even even being a fan of Apple's products for years I've been saying that's just not true that is not the case um for several years I worked in the tech support at a a, a university um I won't say where for now but uh it was a liberal arts university which tends to uh push uh Mac devices for students they we even had a Apple store within the university which is kind of wild um and I can't tell you how many MacBooks came in riddled with malware, uh, <laughs> like, and some of it much more aggressive than what you'd see on a PC. Um, so where did this come from? Uh, well, essentially, uh, the the kernel of truth in this myth is market share, and that is when, uh, for the longest time, Windows uh, had a large, large, large majority of market share. So if you're the bad guy and you are um, if you're the bad guy and you're writing a virus and you want to infect as many machines as possible, you're not going to write it for the thing that no one else is using. You're going to write it for what everyone's using. And that, that was the case. Uh, even as early as, uh, or more recently as 2022, um, 54% of all malware infections happen in Windows systems. Um, and that is because Windows has about a 74% share of, uh, market share of uh, desktop OSs. Um, leaving Mac at just 15. So it, it's, it still seems like Macs just don't get viruses. It's just that there are a lot less viruses, but that doesn't mean you don't need antivirus software on your Mac. Some kind of security or endpoint security is good. Uh, and of course, always practicing safe browsing habits, um, and knowing what, uh, what your potential risks are. Oh, sorry. Moved my notes. Dang it. Okay. All right, myth number four. Uh, 
mostly for your smartphones, but we can apply this to digital cameras as well. And that is more megapixels means better pictures. Uh, there is a little bit of truth to this. Uh, for those of you who don't know, a megapixel is a measurement of the number of pixels in an image. Uh, and mega meaning multiplied by a thousand. So a one megapixel is a thousand pixels. And so, yeah, the more pixels you have in an image, the more clear it's going to be most of the time. But there are a few other factors as well, such as the size of the individual pixels is going to matter a lot. Obviously, if you, if you have a 14 megapixel camera, so 14,000 pixels, uh, it's a lot of pixels. But one might have larger pixels than another. And so when you actually look at that image and you go to zoom in on that image, it's going to look a little bit blockier. Uh, probably still going to be great pictures, but it's especially when you start working with it and zooming in, you're going to notice something. Um, also, lens quality is pretty important, especially on smartphones since the cameras are so small. Uh, your image processing algorithms. This is actually how most smartphones achieve good looking pictures is that each picture gets taken and then digitally processed to look better. Um, iPhones are fantastic at this. Samsung phones are amazing at this. Um, I have heard the pixels are pretty good as well. Uh, and then low light performance. Obviously, if you don't have a very big uh, image sensor, uh, it's not letting in a lot of light when it takes in that picture, even when it's dark. It's going to look blocky. It's going to look blurry. You're not going to see a whole lot to it. So yes, megapixels does mean better image quality as long as it's, it's, uh, paired with some of these, these other factors as well. So, uh, yeah, those are just a few myths, um, that are, they're commonly, uh, spread around. Um, remember if you ever have any questions about something like this, if you, if you just don't know, you, yes, you can Google it, but contact your local IT guy. Most of us are pretty open to answering some questions, uh, especially if we can help someone out. So you are moving, whether it's your office or your home, and you've got all these electronics and digital devices to take care of. How do you deal with it? Well, we've got some tips and tricks for you. Uh, first and foremost, please, for the love of God, back up everything. I can't tell you how many times I have seen this, both when in, in personal devices, when someone's moving from one home to another, as well as in an office setting when a new office was opened up and uh, devices needed to be moved. Uh, once everything was set up, something happened in the transit that deleted the data was deleted or gone or hardware just wouldn't boot up anymore. And that data was missing. Um, so please, please, please back up everything. Uh, so another good tip would be to organize and label your cables. Do this before you unplug anything, get some easy cable labels on Amazon. They're usually pretty cheap. They're color coded. You can write on them, uh, write what it's for and what end it's plugging into. That's going to help you so much when you go to set up before or uh, after uh, moving. Uh, and then of course it goes without saying, pack your devices carefully. I preach the word of saving the box that the device shipped in. If you have the room for it, keep the original packaging because it's going to be what protects that device when moving it the most rather than finding another box that you got from say Home Depot or something and you got to fill it with foam and uh, plastic peanuts and whatever. Um, try to keep the original packaging. If you can't, if you don't have the room, I get it. Make sure you're using sturdy, sturdy cardboard boxes. Um, wrap everything in tons of bubble wrap uh, and then try to fill up any empty space in that box. Again, with those packing peanuts or crumpled newspaper. If you're moving a printer, make sure you remove the ink cartridges. 
that is going to be a nightmare if you don't. <laughs> um, if you're if it's a laser printer, you don't really need to remove the toner cartridges, but do recognize if this gets jumbled around, some of that toner might fall off in the printer, and so for a while, your pages when you print them are going to have marks on them. But it will be a disaster if there's an ink leak in an inkjet printer. So definitely remove those ink cartridges, put them in bags. Um, if they're going to be stored for a while, especially actually, if they're going to be stored for a while, just throw them away and get new ones. Cause they're probably going to dry out in the time. Uh, as well as uh, batteries, move, remove batteries from laptops that you can remove the batteries from uh, any cameras, remote controls, uh, other, any sort of device that has a removable, a removable battery, go ahead and take that out, put it in a bag, uh, Sealed them separately away from everything else and label what device they came from. Um, that's for a few different reasons. Primarily, as things get jostled around in a move, I'm thinking in the back of a truck or something like that, uh, lithium-ion batteries that are in most electronic devices today um, will burst into flame if they are punctured. Um, so you don't want them really connected with something that's moving around and might have some sharp edges to it, as well as... Uh, just you just don't want the battery to drain in the moving process, and so like if it's a remote control or a camera, it might turn on in the mean uh, in the travel and um, kill that battery anyway. So just take those out, put them in bags, separate them, put all your ba- batteries in one thing. Uh, oh, we mentioned labeling cables. Here's another going. I actually do this pretty regularly, even if I'm not moving devices. If I'm just doing any sort of maintenance on them, and, I, and I'm going to in, unplug something. I snap a photo of all the cable connections so I know exactly what went in where. So um, I don't have to worry about trying to remember what uh, USB port was this cable was plugged into. Uh, and so if there's an issue, then I'm like, like, okay, is this port bad? Did I damage the cable? You know, there's something like that. Um, and it's also going to help you when you're setting everything back up. Uh, <laughs> so I kind of like this one. Um, this probably applies more to home environments, but I can see it applying to office environments as well. Pack up your Wi-Fi equipment separately. Pack up your modem and your router. Put them in a different box altogether labeled Wi-Fi. Why is that? Because if you're moving into a new home, what's the first thing you're going to want? Internet. <laughs> so you know exactly where it is and how to get to it, and it's not mixed up with all the other office stuff or miscellaneous cables or what have you. Um yeah, and so you're gonna gonna get online right away and be able to enjoy that right away. Um so yeah. Uh your screens, any anything that has a screen such as a TV or a monitor, again, follow that rule, put it in the original packaging if you can. If not, um put soft cloth or microfiber cloth over the screen and then secure that with like elastic bands or um some like scotch tape, something that's not gonna leave a bunch of residue. Do not put tape on the screen itself. Put it on like the bezel or something um, and make sure they are always traveling vertically. Uh, traveling with a screen laying face up is the easiest way to break it, um, whether that's something falling on top of it or if it's a large TV. Believe it or not, the bouncing of the vehicle as it moves along can add enough flex to that screen that it will break. So uh, you want to make sure you pack them standing straight up in original packaging and something covering the screen. Uh, to protect that. Uh, I think it goes without saying, if you have devices in a box, label it as fragile. I've got more notes on that, but I, I think that's a pretty obvious one, so we'll skip it. And then uh, once you get, get moved in, especially if it's an office environment, uh, set up everything right away and test it. Um, one of the worst feelings in the world is moving over a weekend, getting into work on Monday, and nothing works. 
or something that's really, really important doesn't work. Um, so make sure you're testing it right away. And if you need help with that, make sure you talk to your IT guy. Um, but uh, yeah, so with with all these tips, you should be able to get all of your devices from A to B pretty safely and, and functioning. Uh, but if you didn't know, most IT service providers will help you in this. They might not do the actual moving, but they'll do the breakdown and the setup for you. So if you're moving, reach out to your uh, local IT provider. Universal print. You've probably never heard of it, and that's okay. Uh, so <clears throat> in an office environment, Printing infrastructure is an entire beast of its own. There's a reason that there are companies that's, that that is all that they do. Uh, they're typically the company you lease, lease a printer from. They're not just leasing that to you. They also take, uh, they have a special expertise in setting up print servers, getting other, all the devices connected, setting up the network to work with that printer. Um, it is, it can be a nightmare. And here's the thing most people don't think about is it's also a security risk. Because you have this device that needs to connect to literally any computer at any time and send any information between that device and the printer. Um, and it's it's a potential for a bunch of bugs and headaches, problems. Um, I think a majority of, of tickets that uh, IT support uh, companies get, um, if they're not email problems, they're printer problems. Uh, but Microsoft has the service called Universal Print that claims to solve all of those. Um, so how does it work? Uh, essentially, there is a um, a print server controller that you would install in in a environment, connect it to the printer. It connects to the rest of the network. So the printer is only connected to this one thing, and this one thing connects to the internet and Microsoft's cloud servers to then manage all other printing. Um, and so how do you print from it? Well, you actually use your Microsoft 365 accounts, the same username and password you use to sign into office, probably to sign into your computer. If that's not the case, you should talk to your IT guy. Uh, and, uh, so you're using the same username and password for all of that. Uh, so when you go to print, that printer automatically comes up as an option and any, uh, network connection from whatever you're printing to the printer is authenticated with that information. Uh, so that's super technical. What does that mean? That means everyone can print without most setup time because they don't have to worry about having the right drivers on their, their device. Uh, they don't worry, don't have to worry about installing printer software. Uh, Microsoft's cloud handles all of that. Um, it's seamlessly integrated with Microsoft 365, which let's be honest is what we're, most of us are printing from. It's, you know, Word documents, Excel spreadsheets, that sort of thing. Um, it gives you a lot, a lot of flexibility because you don't have to run extra wires or add more user accounts to the print server or what have you. Um, when a new employee is hired and given their Microsoft account, that Microsoft account is automatically associated with universal print. Uh, and you don't have to worry about buying a new fancy printer that works with this. The controller can work with uh, legacy printers as well. Legacy is a technical term that we use for old stuff. Uh and uh, it also offers enhanced security because this controller is authenticating every request to print anything and is not connected individually to all the other devices on the network, which is super awesome. Uh, if you're a really big organization and you have to keep track of uh, how many prints individual offices or individual users uh, are making every month uh, to report to whoever you're leasing the, the company, the printer from or to report it to 
the CIO or what have you. Um, that's built in automatically because people are using their usernames, their email addresses, the whole Microsoft 365 experience to make the print. So it it's, offers a whole dashboard for your IT management or whoever needs access to it to see who's printing what and how often, uh, how many pages they're using, that sort of thing. So it's great for uh, insights and analytics as well. Uh, so super cool. Why haven't you heard of it? Probably because right now it's only available for Microsoft 365 Enterprise, which is not commonly sold for smaller organizations. And by smaller organizations, I mean less than 200 employees. Uh, and uh, so yeah, 365 uh, Enterprise, usually you have to get a price from Microsoft. Uh, I think it ends up being around $45 per user. You can think of it a lot like uh, the Microsoft 365 business package you probably already have, but with some really like powerful and other uh, really powerful tools and other sorts of services attached to that. Um, and also comes with a windows license for which I think is pretty cool, but for the time being a Microsoft 365 enterprise, uh, license is the only way to get universal print. But if that is, uh, if that is a fit for your business, um, then that is probably something that could, could do you a lot, a lot of good. Fantastic. All right. That's it for this week's episode. Next week, we'll talk about remote work, how it's here to stay, and even if it comes with some risks, uh, the danger of a common new form of malware, and why your emails probably keep going to your recipient's junk folder. If you have any questions about what you heard in today's episode, or if you have questions you'd like to hear answered in a future episode, please feel free to reach out by emailing questions at soltech.solutions. And until then, thank you for listening. Oh, and before you call the IT guy, have you tried turning it off and on again? This is Patrick, logging out.